Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Big week on the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel, multiple big guests on the shows on the channel, and we are pleased to have one with us. We will introduce our star guest in just a second, but I'm Anthony Cazenza from the Orange and Black Insider Bengals Podcast, joined by John Sheeran. John, we took an unexpected week off last week. That's uh, that's my fault, but how are you doing, bud? You know, we, we discussed taking a little vacation sometime <laughs> this summer, and I didn't know it was going to come by surprise, but you know... It was it was an interesting week off. I'm glad you are doing better after your little scare there, but it's glad to be also be back on the air. Yeah, mishap. That's what happens when you're close to 40 and trying to be a, I don't know, being an idiot in the weight room, I guess. But anyway, good to be back, and we are back with a vengeance because we have Miss Lindsay Patterson joining us. She is a very prominent and excellent. Uh, media member of the Cincinnati media covering the Cincinnati Bengals with the Cincinnati Inquirer and WKRQ. And of course, a an excellent podcast, Bengals Beat Podcast with Tyler Dragon. Lindsay, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Excellent. Excellent that you are joining us. And uh, we we I feel a little bad before we kind of get to some of the questions. I feel bad. We've been meaning to bring you on for quite some time. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe we haven't had her on this program. This is unbelievable. We thank you so much for your time. We know this is a busy time for you. And uh, thanks for your time. How's how's everything been going for you? I know you've been out there at practice and seeing some different things, but things going well on your end. Yeah, and I'm not that busy, thanks to Zach Taylor, because uh, they've got two extra days of, of no mini camp. So things aren't too bad for me right now. I'm not going to lie, not until training camp starts up. But as you know, there's no off season in the NFL, so I'm right. sure more things will be happening over the next couple weeks. Well, we, we, there's a lot to talk about with the Bengals, and I guess that's as good of a place as any, is the sudden kind of, hey, guys, take the next couple of days off. Um, I, I don't Personally, I don't know what to make of it. I think there's some... The, the, the coach spin of it is there's a positive. He said something to the effect of we've seen everything that we've wanted to over, over the OTAs and the mandatory minicamp earlier this week. But there's also maybe a little bit of, hey, let's not get guys injured. Um, I, I don't know. What, what's your take on the sudden, hey, we're cutting it short? You know, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I know a lot of people looked at it and obviously on social media, everyone has an opinion about it. And they look back at the last couple of seasons and the Bengals weren't good enough, but I think it's more of the credit to what they were able to get done during OTAs and having that full attendance. And I think more of the stuff behind the scenes, what we don't see that's happening inside Paul Brown stadium. And they felt good 
overall. Zach Taylor talked to guys on the team and, and they had conversations leading up to that decision. He said guys weren't going to be mad if he made them stay the next two days this week. But I think he felt, hey, we've done enough. You've seen Joe Burrow from day one of OTAs, which is so incredibly unbelievable that he's rehabbed just fine to be out there with his team. And I think it's more credit to what they were able to do during OTAs and having all of the guys there from day one to why he let these guys have the next two days off. Yeah, it's no understatement that, you know, for everything else that's happening in the NFL right now, you're seeing stories with Aaron Rodgers and other teams and whatnot. There's a lot of distractions. And, you know, does does some of it matter? Some of it doesn't. But 10 straight practices, nine of them voluntary, all perfect attendance. I think we can all agree that if the team w- was was told to be there for Wednesday and Thursday, they absolutely would have. So it, it is an interesting debate with that. But, you know, yourself and everyone else down there for the practices when it's open to the media, 90% of the video content is Joe Burrow, right? And, and right, rightfully so, just seeing him out there. And it's one thing to see him roll roll out and have these throws on the run and just being there in practice. But what is what is it like seeing him in person? Like, are, are you seeing something more or like, what has that experience been like just seeing him out there in person in the South that we don't see on Twitter, just him interacting with the teammates and him going through all these mundane drills. What has it been like seeing with your own two eyes, him coming back from this injury so quickly? You know, I'll go back to the first OTA that we were able to watch just almost a month ago. I had no clue where Joe Burrow would be. Obviously, we look at Twitter and what the Bengals would put out from clips of him throwing at Paul Brown Stadium. We didn't know how much Joe Burrow was going to participate in OTAs. I felt, and what we've heard from Joe, obviously, over the last year of being part of this team, he was going to be there at OTAs, even if he wasn't going to be participating, if he was on the sideline, he wanted, he even told us, I'm going to be there, you know, column plays with the guys in the huddle, even if I couldn't take one single snap while I was out there. So I think personally, just seeing him from day one, stretching with his teammates, being there goofing off, and, and he wanted to be a part of it. And look, they're not going to rush Joe Burrow back. They know better than to do that with their, with their franchise quarterback. And I think just seeing him with his teammates on and off plays and being there, making a presence. And I think that's a little bit of the biggest reason why you do see the mood change. And and when people talk about, you know, the guys in the locker room and and how they're feeling about this season, I think it's a big part of what Joe Burrow brings and him showing, hey, I'm coming out here. I know I had that devastating injury last year, but I'm here. Let's go new season. And I think a lot of guys are buying into that. And I think it's more of just seeing him off the field, seeing him in the huddle, seeing him with his teammates on the side. And, And that's been a big presence for Joe Burrow. Talking with Lindsey Patterson from the Cincinnati Inquirer and the Bengals Beat podcast. Extremely excited to have her on the program, talking some Bengals, getting some impressions from OTAs, practices, and all the sights and sounds going on with the team right now. Kind of continuing on the Joe Burrow conversation, I've got a little bit of a two-pronged question for you, and I guess you kind of touched on one part of it a little bit with your last answer there. But uh, number one is, are you surprised a little bit at the level of intensity, at least that we see from some of the drills that he is participating in at this point in his rehab in terms of rolling out, planting quite a bit, all of that. I I feel that even though he's saying he's on schedule, it feels to me that that is maybe a bit ahead of schedule, at least what I expected. And I guess the second part of that, you being covering him last year and being around him this year, is there just kind of a little bit of a different look in his eye? He's always been a guy that's had the chip on his shoulder from his days being overlooked at Ohio State and then transferring over to LSU. Is there a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and a different look in his eye coming back from this injury? 
Yeah, I, I'm extremely surprised with where Joe Burrow is right now. And I said it before, even us having the conversation that he could participate in preseason, I'll say right now, I don't think Joe Burrow ever needs to play a snap of preseason uh, to be determined on if he gets a few reps in there. We'll see in, in a couple months if that happens. But I think he proved last year in his first NFL start that he doesn't need any preseason games, even to knock a little bit of rust off coming off this injury. And yes, I, I've just been impressed what we're able to see, the intensity of it. He said he's about 85% with the knee and we were able to talk to him yesterday and that was about a month ago when he when he said 85 and he's hoping to be around 100 i think training camp is where really where it's going to be at what we're going to see from him obviously no one's going to touch the merchandise like marvin lewis <laughs> comes to his prized possessions on on offense i i think they're still going to take really good care of joe when he's out there and I wouldn't be surprised. I remember him telling us last year that he tried to get Zach Taylor to let him take a couple hits in training camp. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but but I think that's when we're really going to see a little bit more from Joe. But I, I, you know, getting to see about an hour, hour, 15 minutes over those three OTAs and then the one day of minicamp, I think minicamp was really, I was really impressed. I mean, getting a little bit of seven on sevens, he was perfect out there. And I think more of that is what we're going to see in training camp and just the intensity that that's going to pick up. And he even said it, you know, the rehab's going to really pick up over the next couple of weeks. And there's no off season for Joe and his rehab over what, what he's going to be working on in at the end of June and early July. So, yeah, I, I think going, you know, going forward, we're, we're only going to see more from him. I, I just, uh, to be determined, big question mark on, on what it's going to look like in August and, and what they decide to do when it comes to getting some preseason reps out there. It's been fun hearing Burrow in these press conferences again after a long radio silence with him going through his rehab. One of the one of my more favorite quotes from him in the past couple of weeks is when he was talking about throwing a deep ball to T. Higgins, and then T. Higgins got it out ran and he said, "T, where, where, where the hell did that come from?" Um, T. Higgins has been kind of a topic of conversation with his sort of mini body transformation. I think he gained about 15 pounds, looks a little bit faster out there. Um, is that also well advertised? Is that also noticeable in, in your eyes? And also, along with Higgins, you know, these practices aren't like too telling for what the team is. But is there anyone else outside of T that has also t- kind of taken a noticeable jump from last year and looks to be on the on the rise of improvement? Yeah, and that's a really great question when you look at the wide receiver room right now. It's funny, when we talk to T, he says, I'm 220. I was 220 last year, but it's different. Uh, I feel faster. I feel stronger. And I think that's one of the underrated pieces. And it's crazy to think that T Higgins would be underrated because I felt like he had an okay rookie year and what it could have been if Joe Burrow would have been healthy the full season, the connection, the chemistry that they're really starting to gain out there. I know a lot of the conversation, obviously, and and it should be uh, when you reconnect Joe Burrow with Jamar Chase and and getting what some people would call his number one receiver, what he can bring on the field, the separation. But T. Higgins in year two, I think that might be one of the biggest storylines outside of obviously the offensive line topic and and what he's going to bring to the wide receiver room. And I think that's where your big jump is. Um, Obviously, you can look over on the defensive side and and look at some of their struggles when it comes to their D line and guys coming from injuries. But I'd say when you look at someone who can really – but it pro- prove himself out there with a full healthy year with Joe Burrow. It- it's going to be T-, T Higgins in the wide receiver room. And that's when the conversation gets a lot of fun because everybody loves the comparison game and where this wide receiver group is in the AFC North or even in the NFL. And I think that's what really is going to, you know, it might take a couple games for him, for him and Joe to-, to connect out there. Obviously we're just seeing them at OTAs, mini camp, and we'll see a little more during training camp, but 
he just feels like the confidence is out there. And then obviously when the topic of conversation comes with what he's doing after OTAs, what he's doing after minicamp with his wide receivers and T Higgins and Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd, getting those extra reps in. And, and those guys joke that a uh, little more arm strength coming from Joe Burrow and what he's been working on over the last couple months. Lindsay, I don't know if you, if you heard, but some of the, some of the folks on our Cincy Jungle podcast channel were kind of, and feel free to to pass on this question if you want. But some of the some of the the folks within the Cincy Jungle podcast network kind of started to coin the team team Sewell team Chase up up to the draft. And I don't know that I caught your. I, I know it's easy now. We're all on team Chase because he's he's a Bengal. But did you have kind of a a, a preference at that point in time? Uh, did you did you have a direction where you're like, well, you know, I think the Bengals should go this way. I think they will go that. I mean, did you were you team Chase, team Sewell? And if you don't want to answer that, I understand because I know you covered the team and talked to Chase. I'll say this: I, I feel <laughs> like I was pretty. Um, it was pretty out there what what I thought this team should do. And I think when you look at both options, and I said this the other day on a, on a recent interview that I don't think you could lose in that situation. Obviously, you add to the offensive line, and everybody knows that it's struggling and still not good enough. Um, you know, Frank Pollock's going to work work and put the best five guys out there, and to be determined on who's starting at guard right now when you look into training camp and regular season. But I would say I, I was Jamar Chase. And that's no offense to Panay Sewell. He can have mm -hmm. a great career in the NFL. I think it's about scoring points out there. And I think Austin Gale from PFF told me, you know, obviously you want more of a guy who, who's going to be hard to stop than, than guys when it comes to what, what Panay Sewell was going to bring to the offensive line. I'm not saying that they would have made the wrong choice if they would have went. So see, I'm like stepping the line now. I'm not even answering. I know. I put you on the spot. I'm sorry. Because, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I don't want to be wrong, but, but I'll just say this. It doesn't hurt to reunite Joe Burrow with one of his best yeah. targets when he was at LSU in 2019. So I think this was a great move for them. And and a lot of people, and I've actually brought this up to a few people, and I know the national media, everybody wants to talk about the national media hammering the Bengals and their mm -hmm. offensive line and all that fun stuff. So I asked Peter King the same question. I said, you look at those wide receivers right now. You have T Higgins, Tyler Boyd. What do you say to people who say, well, they already got two receivers right now? That's not good enough. They needed a third one out there. And even if you throw in Auden Tate at times, uh, it's, it's still not good enough. And no offense to Auden Tate. They needed a guy like Jamar Chase and what he's going to be able to do with this offense and the separation. And, and I do feel like Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow are going to pick up where they left off. I mean, these guys are working you know, after hours. And as I just mentioned, they're staying after practice. They're trying to get that chemistry, that connection back because – you know, it's been a, it's been a couple years, um, so they, so they want to feel it, and, and they have in OTAs and, and just that one day of minicamp. So, I think the Bengals made the right move of getting Jamar Chase a wide receiver, and I'll just say they, they it was a win win situation. Right, that was one of my favorites. Right, exactly. It was one of my favorite segments on the Bengals Beat podcast when you and Tyler Dragon were kind of going back and forth because Tyler was more on the Panay Sewell side, I think, from his personal preference. If you guys want to listen to the Bengals Beat podcast, you can find it wherever you get your podcast networks after you listen to our podcast, obviously. It features Lindsay and Tyler and Charlie Goldsmith of the Cincinnati Inquirer. But speaking of the offensive line, it was the unfortunately the one position group that was uh, affected with injuries this offseason as Akeem Adeniji. We just learned that he suffered a torn pectoral. I believe that he wasn't on the practice field sometime last week. I think you can speak mm -hmm. to that more than, than me, myself. I just read what I read on Twitter. 
But do you think that this injury has any implications on what they may or may not do to add to the position group this offseason? Or was it energy more just a loss of depth and just opens the opportunities for maybe a Michael Jordan or Fred Johnson to make more of an impact? Yeah, when you bring up some of the backup offensive linemen who had to start in some games last year, I know that's a little bit of trigger for Bengals fans, and they get a little worried when, when I mention those. And I brought up Hakeem Adeniji. I think what he's going to be able to do, and man, if we're not talking Joe Burrow, we're bringing up Frank Pollock. I feel like I've said his name 500 times if we're doing an offseason bango right now. And I think the development. Of, of what he could do with Hakeem Adeniji was going to be more of a guy like a swing tackle. And, and it is about depth right now. And I think that that's a great thing. Obviously it doesn't hurt to add another offensive line piece. I think even if Hakeem was healthy, this team was going to bring in more bodies when it comes to the guard position, because nobody's set right now. I mean, you want Jonah Williams to stay healthy. I think he's the second most important offensive player on this team. And I know it's a little bit up for a debate because you could have that conversation every day with anybody on the offensive line, but their guard position was one of their worst last season. And, and it doesn't hurt to bring in more bodies, more competition. And I think we'll see more of that when we get into training camp. But with Hakeem Adeniji out, I will not be surprised um, if, if we start hearing some of these tackle visits and, and some other guys coming in because they do need to add that depth. But, you know, to be to, to be determined, because I think the biggest thing right now is, is Jackson, Carmen and Pollock. And, and similar to when I mentioned Joe Burrow at working with T. Higgins, Jamar Chase after practice, we see Jackson Carmen out there with Frank Pollock and it's about fundamentals. Just talking to Jonah Williams, the difference of what he's really realized with having a different offensive line coach out there, he's going to put the best five guys out there. And I think the debate and, and to bring it up in, in June, who's going to be the offensive line in September, I still feel pretty confident that they're going to start the rookie at guard, but, but I don't think it hurts to just bring in more competition, more bodies It never hurt anything when it comes to training camp. And, and Frank Pollock has said it before, he's going to put the best five out there. So we've we've talked about this quote unquote Frank Pollock effect, right? On this show, I'm sure you know you, you've had those conversations, maybe even ad nauseum at this point. But uh, I, I guess I'd like to hear your not only your take on his your opinion of his ability to coach up this offensive line because Lindsay, for the past three four years, this team has told us that they like their offensive line better than all of us outside of the locker room, and it has yielded poor results. And now they're kind of telling us the same thing based on they, they made some acquisitions, obviously, with with Carmen and Reef and bringing those guys in, I guess. I, not only your, your thoughts on the Frank Pollock effect, but the status of the offensive line, especially now in the wake of the identity injury and, and where this maybe stacks up against some of the, mo the recent offensive lines that they've trotted out there uh, over the past couple of years that have not been the greatest. Yeah, I think you go back to this offensive line and the last time the Bengals have had a pretty competent, a competent one was when it was 2015 and you had Kevin Zeiler out there, Andrew Whitworth. And after they left, it's been pretty hard and it's been a topic of, of discussion every single season or off season. I know when I talk to anybody, they're like, oh, the Bengals offensive line, how, you know, how's Jamar Chase going to block for Joe Burrow? And it's like, oh my goodness, um, I just want football to get here so we can finally see what happens. But I think Frank Pollock is a big difference. I mean, Duke Meaneweather is someone's opinion who I truly trust and I've talked plenty of times with him about Frank and, and what he can bring to the offensive line room plenty of people in the national media will, will say and and 
I think they should have never let Frank Pollock go. Um, I, I think they, that was probably one of their biggest mistakes. But hey, bringing him back, that, that's never a bad thing. And I think just what he's going to teach these guys from the fundamentals and you look at the guard position from last season. I mean, unfortunately, Michael, Michael Jordan has talked about it plenty of times and it's more about actions and getting better. And, and that's what these guys are doing. I think the biggest thing and I bring up Fred Johnson, I bring up Michael Jordan and even when Hakeem Adeniji was healthy and, and talking about having depth, this team needs depth. It was a bad team last year. It was a bad team the year before. Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. It could be obviously different with Joe Burrow's healthy last year and what they could have done and added a few more wins into their season. But this team has struggled offensively, defensively, of having guys who they could put out there if there is an injury. I mean, Jonah Williams, he's their future. He's their future at left tackle, but he can't stay on the field. Mm -hmm. So you do need that. And I think having Frank Pollock in the room and being that guy who was teaching these guys the basics, I mean, the basics as an offensive line coach, I know they're NFL football players, but I still think that is worth it. And it's going to be a difference of what we've seen over the last two years when it comes to the offensive line pieces. I mean, even Billy Price, <laughs> I'll say it right now, he, he, did okay with Frank Pollock. And, and I think that is going to be a difference, but we won't see until September what that's going to be like. And another thing I actually just want to bring up because it was one thing that I thought about during OTAs and, and we've talked plenty about Joe Burrow and all the injuries and it's Trey Hopkins. Um, it's unbelievable right now that he's even out there on the rehab field mm -hmm. and you go back to, you know, tearing his ACL at the end of the regular season that this guy has a chance to start week one. I know I talked to my guy Tyler Dragon about it a couple months ago, and he told me, and I wasn't really on board with it. I said, there's no way this guy's going to be out there. I mean, it's an ACL injury and what he's been able to do. And, and obviously, he's not out there just yet to be determined on what that looks like when it comes to training camp, if he will be the starting center or anything like that. But, you know, having him out there and then obviously Billy Price, I'm not saying he's going to be the, the starter. Um, again, I, I walk the line on the offensive line right now because we don't know. We won't know for, for a couple of weeks. But I think Frank Pollock is going to be the difference maker, not just with this offensive line, but with Joe Mixon, too. I, I think we are really going to see a difference. And the biggest difference we need to see is having depth, too, and guys who if you lose guys to injuries, Riley Reef too, um, and any guys on the tackle or inside at guard, you need that depth. And that's something that this team hasn't had for, for a while now. Lindsay, you've been covering the Bengals and really Cincinnati sports for a long time. Um, last year, like at this time last year, there obviously wasn't any offseason activities. There wasn't any media availability. We're all, we were all kind of in the dark as we didn't really know what the next year was going to unfold. Now, compared to this year, you know, we've seen, you know, a handful of practices from your eyes and they've out, the team has obviously practiced and there's been media availability from, from our perspective, it does seem like the locker room and just the team overall has this kind of a, a stoic, but a professional type of vibe to it where it's a little bit more of a loose confidence in the way that they carry themselves. You know, we're hearing a lot of stories, you know, Larry Ogunjobi's football origins to, you know, the back backstories of J Jesse Bates and his family in Indiana. You know, it it's definitely a lot different compared to last year. Like kind of talk about, I guess, what that was like as a media member covering this team, really sports in general throughout the early stages of the pandemic. And I guess mm -hmm. just from your brief um exposure for, in terms of this offseason, how things have changed, do you kind of get that sense too? Or is that something more that it's just what we're seeing right now because things are still still transitioning back to more of a normalcy. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. You go back to last year, and I'm really looking forward to when things are in person again. Um, I know the NFL and the NFLPA have uh, new protocols, so we're slowly getting back to that, and it's so much easier, as you guys know. Um, you, you've interviewed plenty of people, players, and coaches, and the interviews are, are just different when you're in person, and you can talk to them and tell their story, and the guys are definitely more open. And obviously, when you're not winning last season, you, you hear stories, reports, and, you know, things are happening. We weren't in there. You know, we weren't in the locker room. Um, but I would definitely say that what we've heard and look, it's all, you know, rainbows and sunshine until regular season gets here and everyone's optimistic on, on what this team could do with, with a healthy Joe Burrow. But even Joe um, mentioning that plenty of times over just the last couple months that we've had a chance to talk to him. And he's like, look, when we're in the locker room, it's it's not just the offensive guys talking to the offensive guys, the defensive guys talking to the defensive guys. We're all talking to each other. And and he said that's the start of, of what makes a great team. And it might sound silly, like, oh, that's great. I'm glad you guys get along in the locker room. And, you know, I, I think it's still telling. Um, you have full attendance in your OTAs. Yes, they're voluntary workouts, but look around the NFL. Some of the best teams and, and even the Cleveland Browns, that they, they struggled to get their, their full team there at, at OTA voluntary workouts. And they were there from day one. And these guys are they're having fun. And, again, I know nobody cares about that if they're not winning football games. But I would say the vibe has been different. Um, I, I hate talking about culture uh, on what you know what's happening, what the culture's like, or anything like that, because it's not fair for me to say that if I'm not in the locker room for a full season. We haven't been there in a couple of years, and when you're in the locker room, you, you kind of see that. You kind of see all these guys are you know they're connecting. There's chemistry, or you see that more when you're at practices and us being back at practice, even though we were at training camp last year, and kind of getting a closer look. And 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 we'll get the chance to you know interview these guys from a distance. I think that stuff will be more telling and what we're really gathering from from what these guys are feeling being around each other. But I think when your quarterback, Joe Burrow, speaks up, he's not just saying that to say it. And and he really is liking the vibe that he's seen from this team. And even Jesse Bates, uh, right when OTA started, they have a lot of new guys and new faces in the secondary. And even last night, they were all together. Uh, there was, you know, obviously Instagram video of these guys going bowling, having fun. And they went to dinner the first night because there was a lot of new faces. And we had brought it up all, oh, you know, how many people? And everyone kind of jokes that they go to Jeff Ruby's all the time and recruiting new players. And he's like, look, we just wanted to get to know each other. Um, you know, these are new faces, people we haven't seen. We've only seen them on on video and free agents that are coming in. And they really just want to connect with each other. And, and it could be those little steps, you know, that lead to regular season success and wins. But right now they're just trying to build with what they have. And and going back to, to being full attendance, I still think that's pretty telling. But, you know, when, when Burrow speaks, I think these guys listen. And uh, the, the vibe seems, uh, I'd say, pretty good right now. But at the end of the day, I know how people care when I say anything optimistic like that. They're like, are they winning football games? So <laughs> can't really win a whole lot right now in June. But, uh, but I'd say it's a, it's a pretty good, uh, good mood down at Paul Brown Stadium right now. Talking with Lindsay Patterson from the Cincinnati Inquirer and Bengals Beat podcast. Hopefully she's got maybe a couple more minutes so we can ask a couple more questions. Uh, we, we're loving the time here. Appreciate that. I guess I want to piggyback a little bit on the last question from John there a little bit. Because this roster has been made over quite a bit in the in the image of Zach Taylor and his other coaches. Um, and, and a lot of these guys haven't been here very long some of the guys who have been looked at as quote unquote locker room leaders are no longer here. Gio Bernard just left this off season. He was looked at as one. So I guess 
based on maybe some of your limited in-person interactions and, and locker room, uh, I don't know if access is the word, but I guess the, the lack of in-person stuff over the past year or so, who are some of the, the guys that you're seeing maybe step up as new leaders? I think John and I would say Mike Daniels is a guy who's kind of stepped up in that role a little bit and speaking with him. But I mean, are there others and or do you see foresee some new faces kind of stepping up maybe as you mentioned Jesse Bates? Is he a guy that maybe assumes a leadership role? I don't know. I'd love to kind of hear some of your predictions on that front. Yeah, I would actually say Jesse Bates and just getting the chance to talk to him. I know we don't know what's going to happen with the extension. I, I feel pretty confident that, that that'll happen when the Bengals normally do extensions, and that's during training camp. I'd say you look at him and Sam Hubbard on the defensive side, and mm-hmm. he's really taken that leadership role, and it's crazy to think because Jesse Bates is not that old. Um, <laughs> and then you've been uh, flipping over to the other side uh, with Tyler Boyd. And yeah. it's not new with Tyler Boyd because one thing that I always remember, it was just a couple years ago when we were at training camps were doing in-person interviews and 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 Tyler we were talking to one of the wide receivers and I don't even think the wide receiver made the team but Tyler just put his arm around him and he was interviewing with the guy and he's bringing confidence and, and we've talked about that a lot with him and he's he's kind of joked kind of being the older guy in the room and he's and he's not even that old I mean there's a lot of young guys on this team and I think that's what's really telling is the youth and who's who's really wanting to step up and and lead offensively and defensively to beat it to I always say to be determined right now. I mean, I got to I gotta see these guys more and, and obviously get that get more access to when we're doing in-person interviews again. But at the moment, I would say Jesse Bates, and that is not a bad guy to be leading on on this team right now, offensively and defensively. And it, it's always easy to say that Joe Burrow um, would be the guy. But in the wide receiver room, I definitely uh, say Tyler Boyd right now. In terms of not being that old, like my co-host just told me earlier this week, do not get old because of what happened to him. And I'm just, yeah. I had yeah. to look up Jesse Bates' age real quick. And I, I hate to say that he's actually younger than me. So oh, I think nice. I'm entering that stage now. But <laughs> I, I, Lindsay, I don't remember the first Bengal game that I ever attended. But we, we do some research around here. We found out that the first Bengal game that you ever attended with your father was on an October afternoon when a certain Corey Dillon rushed for nearly 300 yards and broke the Bengals rushing record. Now the ring of honor has been, um, it's obviously a thing this year. It's going to, it's going to, you know, populate a a certain game to be determined. And we know that Paul Brown and Anthony Munoz are are being inducted and we don't have the official odds on this, but we can assume that the Ken's Ken Anderson, Ken Riley are probably the front runners to go in there. If there was a third nominee that you could vote in, would it be Corey Dillon for that experience or would it be someone else off the top of your head? Or would it be someone, some two, another two person combination aside from the two Kens? I'll just say this about the ring of honor. Uh, Credit to the team for finally doing it. Uh, I know we've talked about Elizabeth Blackburn and her role and and just kind of speaking to to Mike Brown about this and how excited fans were going to be. And, and they're finally doing it. I know you could look back and say this, this should have happened years ago, but I, I always say better late than never. I think it's exciting for fans. And I want to know when the next one's going to be, because I think the next conversation is where it really gets interesting. I mean, you, you throw out Chad Johnson, you, you mentioned Corey Dillon and, Honestly, if, if there was a, a third one that they could vote on, I would say it would be Willie Anderson. Um, the guy is so underrated. He should he should be going into the Hall of Fame, and, and that will happen one day. And obviously, they have to praise their own players first, and that, that may help some of these guys get into the Hall of Fame. But Ken, Ken Anderson, Ken Riley, not, my third would be Willie Anderson. No offense to Corey Dillon. Um, his time will be coming, too. I think that's just such a wild – Corey's such a wild story. I don't know when you guys – 
when, when you became, what, what year did you guys become interested in the Bengals? Oh God. Uh, I'm, I'm the old man here. So I, I will say I was like five the first time they made, well, the second time they made the Super Bowl in 88. So, um, that's like one of the first football games ever. I remember watching and that's kind of what sparked my interest in the team. And my brother, older brother was a fan. Um, my name being Anthony, there was an Anthony Munoz on the team, obviously who ended up being a pretty decent football player. So, um, that was, that was me, but I'm, I'm an old dude. So I, I can't speak for John. I mean, I started watching like right as Corey Dillon's time with the Bengals came to an end, but I don't really remember ever watching like a Corey Dillon game live. So uh, I think I I was more like consciously probably 2004, like my earliest memories of the team. That's a good point because I was, look, I grew up in a football loving family. I joke about it all the time. If, if remember the Titans was relived, I was the little girl with curly hair at my dad's football practices, <laughs> filling up water bottles while my brothers played. I, I really had no choice. I thought the Cincinnati Bengals were the only NFL team that existed. <laughs> um, so when I went to that game, I didn't know a whole lot. My brothers didn't want to go because the Bengals were not very good at all. And he's, my dad's like, do you want to go? And I thought, yeah, let's do this. And I had no clue, you know, everything was about to happen. And I think kind of even going back when Corey Dillon's time had the chance to talk to him back in 2017 and you know unfortunately it ended in Cincinnati the way it did um you know it wasn't all you know happy happiness when when he left Cincinnati but I was just so happy to see him you know get success with the Patriots and I think look the Hall of Fame conversation it's fun I throw it out there sometimes. I'm a, I'm a little scared when I do it. When I say that Corey Dillon, you can make the argument one day that maybe he will be in the Hall of Fame. I know a lot of people aren't riding it right now, um, but I, I wouldn't. I would put him in the Bengals Ring of Honor, but I'd put Willie Anderson in first. And that's no offense to Corey Dillon. I'm giving you guys this really long rambling answer, so I apologize. I love it. I got, I got a follow-up um, story, so yeah. go for it. <laughs> Willie Willie would be my guy. Willie would definitely be my guy. Okay. Yeah, right. Rightfully so. He's he's awesome. And I am old enough to remember in 03 when Corey Dillon, I think, got in some form of a car accident on the way to the stadium. And that is what paved the way for Rudy Johnson to be the the running back that he became for the the NFL. What a what a nice stroll about down memory lane right there. I like that. Making me feel old, though, guys. Come on. <laughs> come on. Lindsay, I know I, I, I ardently follow you on Twitter. You're a great follow and, and definitely want to make sure you promote uh, your podcast and all of that in just a minute here. But I know you are not a fan of record predictions, especially at this point in the season and where we've, there's a lot to play out with the Bengals and, you know, how soon can they mature? What's the injury situation look like? What is Joe Burrow? return look like all of that but I guess I'll, I'll rephrase that type of question in a different in a different framework a little bit uh what what's a good enough season for all of us to feel good about the direction of this team Zach Taylor and maybe even a keep your job type of conversation I, I don't like to have those personally I don't like to talk about people losing their jobs but here we are. You you said it yourself. Six and a half wins in, in two years under Zach Taylor. He's got to start winning some games. What does this season need to look like in your estimation in terms of everybody feeling like this thing's going in the right direction? And I would say Zach Taylor would tell you the same thing. He has to start winning. They have to start producing winning more games right now. I will say this right now, and I, you know, I don't like to do record. I'm going to have to give one eventually, <laughs> uh, but, but I'll say right now, even with that extra regular season game, I say this team is a ride around seven wins. I know that's not great. That's not good enough. And I think it, with this team, at some point, they have to start talking about being in contention, being mm-hmm. back in the playoffs again. 
they have to build around Joe Burrow's rookie contract. You have to take advantage of that because it's going to be a little more difficult um, years from now when they're trying to do that. And I think that's why that topic of conversation will more than likely happen the following year when it's playoff talk, postseason talk and everything like that. I think right now I'm at about seven wins. But I will say this, and it's a little bit of a um, hot take that some would say, I don't think the Bengals will finish last in their division if Joe Burrow plays a full season. I, I, I'm with, I mean, I, I fluctuate on the thing myself. I'm kind of like, well, they could be six, seven wins, or they could they could be sneaky nine, ten, be that be that 2011 team, you know, that kind of surprised a ton of people. So, I don't know, uh, John. Do you have any other questions before we? I, gosh, I was hoping for ten or fifteen minutes. And we got like thirty five out of you, Lindsay. I'm I'm sorry, we yacked your ear off. But John, anything else for for Lindsay before we let her talk about her podcast and everything? It certainly doesn't seem like that hot of a take. I mean, like. Lindsay, I, I believe, is one of the more intelligent and optimistic follows on the entirety of Bengals Twitter. You won't find a negative tweet coming off of her account, but it all makes sense in a way that it, you understand it and you can kind of go behind it. But, I mean, uh, optimist or pessimist, I think we can all kind of see things turning in the wrong direction with Pittsburgh, and I think that might be where mm-hmm. that comes from. But mm-hmm. just real quick, we, we, got a re- we got a prediction for the Bengals season. Reds are kind of streaking right now. I know you're a big Reds fan, too. How do you see the rest of that season playing out? What a wild, wild time. Mm-hmm. If somebody would have told me when you looked at the Cardinal series and even the Brewers, I mean, yeah, Colorado was struggling, so that's not really that surprising. It's health right now. I mean, obviously there were some up and downs with the bullpen. If these guys can stay healthy and, and have starting pitching again, and that was their biggest part of their success last year, but now they're producing. You got offensive guys like like Jesse Winker out there, Nick Castellanos, and they've just been fun. Uh, it's been a long time, and look, it's one thing when you look at Cincinnati sports and connect it with, with the Bengals right now, and a lot of people are like, what have they done in postseason? Can they win playoff games? And it's just regular season. You got to enjoy it while it's happening because we don't know how long this is going to last. They're about to play the Padres starting tomorrow. And goodness, if this team can stay healthy, I would not mind a little double header. You get the, the Bengals down the street, a little playoff or playoff baseball in, in September, October. And, and that would be that would be fun because, look, last season was weird. It was different. Obviously, there was still a Major League Baseball season, but I think this team is better and would have been better if they played more games because you really started to see that towards the end of last season that they were they were having fun, they were producing, and I think one of their biggest surprising things is seeing Joey Votto at his age and and him coming back from injury and just looking like a new guy out there. Um, they're, they're they're having fun too. There's a lot, there's a lot of good vibes in Cincinnati sports right now. So. I don't know. I'm just enjoying the ride with the Reds. And and if they find a way to be that wild card team and hey, I know the last time I checked the Cubs were losing to the Mets and that was going to help them when it comes to the NL Central standings. They got a big Padre series coming up on the road starting tomorrow. I'm just having fun while it's happening right now. Anything could happen over the next couple of weeks. But if this team stays healthy, I'd say watch out for them. They're scrappy. I don't I don't live anywhere. I, I live probably one of the furthest points away from geographically from Cincinnati in the in the continental United States, but uh, I do keep an eye on them for sure. They're scrappy. They're fun to watch. Lindsay, where in case our, our listeners somehow are living under a rock, where can they follow you on Twitter? Where can they find your podcast? All that good stuff. Please tell us how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, um, I tweet a lot. I mean, I, I apologize if you follow me on Twitter. I like no, to you're, tweet a you're a good follow. If, if you don't like the NFL, I'm so sorry because during NFL press conferences or practices or training camp or anything like that, I pretty much tweet 
50, 100 tweets a, a day. So <laughs> I, I apologize for that in advance. Um, but yeah, Twitter, LNDS Patterson, and then the Bengals Beat Podcast. And we're working on a, a few more projects that I'm really, fingers crossed for Bengals fans, I'm, I'm hoping works out this off season so we can get it out to you. Um, I just want to say to you guys, I, I know that, and I, I've said this plenty of times this off season, when it comes to Bengals content, fans, um, supporters, people who are doing podcasts, videos, audio, anything covering the team writing, it's been fun to watch that. And I think the fan base, just just seeing that and growing and what you guys are doing, even with your live shows, keep up the great work. Um, what a fun time. I, I talked to plenty of people and they're like, yeah, with, with Joe Burrow in town, there's a, there's a lot of interest, but keep up the great work. And obviously, you know, if this team can start winning, it, it, it definitely makes it easier on everybody and their jobs. So I, um, I hope that for you guys, and um, I'm looking forward to more shows and, and what you guys are doing this offseason leading up to regular season. Well, I, I know I don't want to speak for my co-host, but that's definitely you appreciated. absolutely can, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we, we have been long, long, long-time fans of your work, and we wouldn't do what we do if it wasn't for great shows like yours, and uh, we can't thank you enough for your time for, for coming on here. Hopefully we can have you on again soon, maybe sometime during the season as things progress, uh, hopefully progress and not regress with the team, but uh, we would love to have you back on if if uh, you are you are willing. This has been a great chat. Thank you for the immense amount of time. We, uh, we probably took too much of it, but I, I greatly appreciate it. No problem at all. As I mentioned, Zach Taylor gave us two extra days off, so I uh, have plenty <laughs> of time on my hands. No problem. Awesome. All right. Well, take care, Lindsay. We'll we'll hopefully talk to you soon. Good to talk to you guys. All Thank right. You. Take it easy. Uh, that was Lindsay Patterson. Wow. Uh, about 40 minutes there. That was awesome. I'm, I'm sure she's probably like, oh gosh, I got to get out of here. These guys are they're, They won't let me go. But, uh, anyway, that was, that was fun, John. That was fun. She's, she's a great follow on Twitter. Absolutely. I mean, I, I just looked at her Twitter, like, like right before the show and like 123,000 tweets. And it, it's, it, it's all, I think she kind of summed it up in herself. Like she lives very much in the moment, which is hard to do nowadays, especially when you're surrounded by, Cincinnati sports now that's recently gone, but I, I think Lindsay, uh, along with you know Marissa Contapelli, Emily Parker, Elizabeth Blackburn, just so many great like female voices in Bengals mm-hmm. media and Bengals Twitter, and I, I think and she was one of the pioneers with it. Like I, I remember following her when I was just like a young high schooler and like in middle school, and like just hearing her and seeing her career progress and grow, working with the likes of Jim Orzarski and Paul Dater Jr. when they were with the Inquirer, now Tyler Drag- Dragon covering FCC games on the sideline. Like she's been everywhere at Cincinnati sports. She's been a staple in a long time. And I'm really glad we finally got her on the show and can't wait to get her back on. Yeah. What's awesome too, is it, it's really kind of, it sounds like kind of a, a dream job for her, right? She talked about being a, a little kid that was raised in a football family and uh, she gets to stay in Cincinnati, cover Cincinnati sports and she's damn good at it. So uh, that's, that's it. She was, been, she's been great and really responsive in terms of coming uh, coming to the show and uh, I you know I'm just very pleased that that she was able to join us and hopefully we can get her back on soon I think before we do we, we're gonna start some positional previews we're gonna try and squeeze in a state your case maybe we're gonna try and still keep it in our hourish window if we can maybe go a little longer since we didn't go last week I don't know we'll see but before we get to our first positional preview, which is kind of an annual tradition on this show, we want to tell you about Symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L. In case you haven't heard, we have partnered with them, and they are the stock market for sports where you can trade sports teams like stocks 
And of course, it's all about making money, earn cash when your teams win. Of course, quote unquote, your teams can be the Cincinnati Bengals if you choose to invest in them or a number of other teams if you want to use it like like you're playing the stock market, right, John? Exactly. It is the stock market for, stock market for sports. It's the exact place you want to go if you want to invest in any NBA, MLB, or NFL team for the long term. If you think a team is on the rides like your own local Cincinnati Reds, who are have now won 12 of the last 15 mm-hmm. games, are now surging up the NL Central, you can place a bid on them for, I think, still $30 a share, which is among the low end for MLB teams right now. If you're interested in the Sim Bengals, they're still amongst the highest prices for any NFL team right now. A lot, a lot of that is due to, to you guys and your surge into the into the Sim Bengals market. But that really is all what it is. You invest in any professional American sports team and you see their progress grow and you can see your potential earnings grow. And you can do that by going to www.symbol.app. That's www.simbull.app backslash OBI to get your $10 deposit bonus when you sign up with Symbol. It's a great product. It's a lot of fun. And, you know, with, with the help of that $10 deposit bonus, make yourself some cash for the long haul. Absolutely. And there's nothing... There's few things as satisfying, I guess I should say, as making money off of the team that you love, right? You're able to, to parlay that into some money. So go to S-A-M-B-U-L-L. Uh, we'll put that in .app backslash OBI. We'll, we'll put that in the uh, the live chats there so you can go there, get that $10 sign-up bonus. Unfortunately, the Bengals' value is not at that $25 mark that was on the graphic that we showed you there, but there is still a lot of money to be had, especially if the Bengals surprise some people and maybe overachieve a little bit depending on your expectations of them. We'll see, but go to Symbol and check out what they've got going on. I mentioned that it was an annual tradition on this show of sorts where we break down position groups, talk about the players, talk about who's there and uh, all of that good stuff. Uh, I guess I'll let you kind of take the lead on this because you nominated the cornerbacks group to start with, John. So... Why don't you lead us off and we'll have a little we'll have a little back and forth on it about previewing this group. Right. So I wanted to start with cornerbacks because chronological, first of all, but also, <laughs> I don't know, like we don't we haven't really talked about this position group that much this offseason because we don't really know that much. Like there was obviously news with free agency additions, two new starters replacing two old starters and one new starter who didn't even play last season. So it's been said before, but we'll say it again. There are three starters projected for week one have never played in a Bengals uniform before. There's turnover there, but there's also some familiarity with, with one of them and also some depth depth players as well. So just looking at the depth chart right now, you have Trey Waynes, Chidobia Wuzier, and Mike Hilton as your three starters. On paper, it's it, it seems like there's potential, but right now for who we know the players who they are at this point in their careers there's it, it's also it, it, you know compared to recent years and years past when you had William Jackson there in the starting lab it's also almost can be perceived as like kind of a low floor type of or low ceiling type of group you know because Trey Waynes for all intents and purposes in his career has been a league average cornerback that was signed for a lot of money by the Bengals Shadobi Wuzier had this high ceiling coming out of college with the Dallas Cowboys, but in his four years with Dallas is kind of underachieved and kind of came off of a disappointing 2020 season. But then you have Mike Hilton, who for years has been kind of a pest 
in, in the AFC North yeah. as, as that slot cornerback with yeah. the Pittsburgh Steelers, not just in coverage, but also as a blitzer too. And you can make the argument that that was one of their better free agency signings along with Louisier at, at the um, the adjacent cornerback spot. So you have three starters there that you are comfortable, at least I would I would think, in, in just being average to just serviceable starters. But then you look at the depth, and they just hammered this throughout the offseason, and they really do it in the draft. You still have Darius Phillips backing up one of the outside corner spots. You have Eli Apple, who was just signed from, I believe, the Saints or the Panthers for where he played last year. He had a connection with Lou Anarumo, who was his secondary coach with the Giants when he was with his original team. You brought back Tony Brown, who played in spades last season, especially when the position group got hemorrhaged with injuries. And you still have Donnie Lewis, who was an undrafted guy from last year, Jalen Davis, who unfortunately had to play some time and got exposed. You have Winston Rose coming back. And then you added Antonio Phillips as your lone rookie addition as an undrafted free agent from Ball State. So right now you have 10 names at cornerback. And on paper, it looks relatively deep with guys that you know. But also, I guess the big question is, you know, coming off of last year when you had when you still had William Jackson, the third, who's, you know, still an above average cornerback and you're replacing him with a guy in a woozie who you're banking on him progressing into a better cornerback than he is now and replacing Mike Hilton with Mackenzie Alexander, who was a decent starter last season. It's unknown, but also there, I think for the way that they attacked this group in the offseason, they wanted to make sure that they had guys that were known commodities. So it wouldn't be a, in terms of, you know, going off from, from last year, wouldn't be a disaster. Like they wanted to avoid this position group being a complete liability. Like it was last season with all the injuries. So I guess initial thoughts, on the starters and the the immediate depth with where this cornerback position group is going. There are so many layers to this group, and I don't want to call it an onion because that would imply like it's a it's a, it's a bad thing or something like that because it's not that's not the case. There's just so many like yeah buts with it, right? You, you go okay, well, there's a, a lot of kind of b b plus maybe potentially players in this position group when you look at the the potential of a woozier you look at the potential of trey waynes you like mike mike hilton was the i think the number four rated slot cornerback by pff recently uh so i I, that's one of my favorite free agency acquisitions this year and you go you like you kind of like some of the stuff yeah but a woozier was hurt last year and the the scores for him kind of fell off uh, yeah, like you mentioned, John, that you're starting three corners that will likely be out there for the majority of the snaps, Hilton, Wouzier, Waynes, they didn't play a down of Bengals football and they didn't play together last year or at any point really ever. So you go, okay, where, where's the chemistry there? Um, and then the thing, the, the biggest enigma to me of all of this, John, is Darius Phillips. I, I can't I can't figure out what's going on there. We know he's a bit of a gambler when it comes to to coverage. He's he's a feast or famine type of player. He will let up big touchdowns. He will let up big plays, but he will also bring the game breaking interception, the return for a touchdown on occasion that will turn a game around for a team. And it's an aspect of the team that has been uh, sorely lacking over the past handful of years. So. I, and you look at him and you go, well, that's your fourth corner. That's that's pretty good as your fourth corner at this point in time. So, I, I, and to your point, I think part of the focus 
of rebuilding the defense, especially this off season was we are not going to, if we lose starters again, we are not going to be in the same position that we were last year. We're not going to be in the position where BW Webb is our number one corner. Essentially, we are going to be in a much better position to be able to withstand injuries should they occur. And if they don't good, because then that means things will probably be going pretty well for a guy like a who's coming back off trying to rebound from a, a, an off season last year. Same with Wayne's who didn't play last year. I, I, I think that, and maybe I'm ex- being exaggeratory a little bit here, but I think Wayne's is one of the most important players on this defense coming up this year. I think him being able to play well for this team is especially with all of the weapons that they face in the division. They need him to play well this year. Um, I don't know that they need him to be, you know, Pro Bowl caliber caliber level based on the depth that they've accrued, but they need him to be a solid cornerback and come back and play well right away from that injury. Yeah, and that injury just changed everything for them. Like they had a, a solid plan going into last year. Like you, if you have William Jackson, Trey Wayne's, Mackenzie Alexander as your one, two, three, you're mm-hmm. feeling pretty good. And those plans kind of went to kaput before even training or before the regular season began. And then you had a dilemma of like, do you throw in Darius Phillips as this full-time starter or do you try to find a rotation? I think Matt, our own Mac Minnick said this great um, during last season because there was a time where Phillips and LaShawn Sims were being rotated into that spot because they didn't really trust Phillips to handle like a full 70, 60 uh, snap performance. And like, and, and Matt said like, you know, like Phillips is fine for like 20 to 30 snaps a game, but the more that you see him out there, the more those weaknesses and him being a liability kind of shows up because he will give you the game-breaking pass deflection or interception, but also at the same time, he will get burnt quite a lot. And he just hasn't really developed into a player that can give you any sense of stability and consistency. So with all that said, like you said, Phillips is pretty solid for a number four quarterback. And on paper, that's fine. And I think overall, the way that they attacked addressing the depth of this position is also what you should do because you do not want to put yourself in a situation where last year all three of your cornerbacks are at best just okay, but most of them are liabilities. Like you can't scheme around that. And they learned that the hard way last year when they had Tony Brown and Jalen Davis playing significant snaps, even against bad offenses, they still had success because you cannot have liabilities in major weaknesses at cornerback. You just cannot scheme around that and you can't hope to barely keep your head above water. So the depth, I think now with the Eli Apple, Winston Rose returning, Tony Brown returning, Darius Phillips, I think the depth is fine. You And you can survive any potential injuries that, that might occur. My, again, I think the question is how good are these starters going to be? I think it's so dependent, like you said, on Trey Waynes being a solid player, being an even better player than he was in Minnesota. And he hasn't played in over a year, and we don't really know what he is right now. He's approaching 30 years old. I think you're counting on Mike Hilton to be that similar player from Pittsburgh. So long as Waynes being a question mark, Awuzie, I think, is another question mark, too. I really liked him coming out of Colorado a handful of years ago. He was really athletic. He was pretty productive mm-hmm. there. And he in the early parts of his Dallas career, he was pretty solid. You know, I, I know a couple of Cowboys writers that were really disappointed or just a little sad that they, they let him go, even though they kind of figured it was the right decision based off of how his career ended. So I think Awuzie is the ultimate buy low and potentially getting high returns for who he could be. He's still only 26 years old. He still has that athleticism. And he might be a better scheme fit for what they're going to ask him to do in Cincinnati compared to Dallas. I think he's honestly a huge question mark because I think he's taking over the spot that William Jackson had last year, the right cornerback position, and they're keeping Trey Waynes at the left cornerback. So him being the, the a more consistent 
form of himself in like the 2017, 2018, 2019 version of Wuzia that we saw in Dallas. That's so huge. And obviously health too, because even though you're more comfortable with Eli Apple and Darius Phillips as your backups, last year was just so horrendous having to watch that week in, week out. Just injuries galore at that position. We just don't want to see that again. So they would probably keep what, five, six? Probably Uh, six, yeah. Yeah, I think six on the final roster. Uh, I mean, as we sit here today, I guess I would say, you know, you've got the three we mentioned, Awuzie, Hilton, and uh, Waynes as as your top three guys and definite locks to make the team. Um, and then you're probably looking at Phillips at four. Uh, now you've got two spots with one, two, three, four, five, six others. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, I guess you go Apple, and I, I go there because of I think there's some familiarity there. Didn't he play under Anna Rumo when he was in New York? So, yeah. um, you know, you, you would you would think that there's, you know, that that would mean something for him there. And then, uh, you know, what do you, what do you think? I mean, does Tony Brown get the shot? Does uh, Winston Rose get the shot? I don't know. Unless so, am I omitting someone here? I I'm like uh, no. I think six is the number. I think they're not going to keep less than that. I don't think they're going to keep seven either, though. Mm-hmm. And you think that like Phillips has experience both in the slot and on the boundary, well, whereas Tony Brown and Eli Apple, they're more on the boundaries. So those are like your six veterans that you're somewhat com- comfortable in. But even even still, like if it's between Brown, Jalen Davis, Donnie Lewis, Winston Rose, you're more or less splitting hairs. It, it really it's a great opportunity for Antonio Phillips. And he's one of like one of the six undrafted free agents that they have on this roster right now. And there's no one really who should be a favorite as the fifth or sixth cornerback right now. It's just, it should be a dead heat in terms of who secures that spot. And I, I don't know if Phillips has a lot of experience um, in, in the slot in terms of snaps played at cornerback. I know Jalen Davis manned that position when they were suffering injuries there. And obviously, Phillips has had experience in the past. So, you know, maybe he could be the Swiss Army knife, or maybe he will just be the primary backup slot cornerback to Mike Hilton. And that, that gives an opportunity for Winston Rose or Tony Brown to secure one of the boundary cornerbacks. But I do think I would agree with you that Eli Apple is probably a safe bet just because of the first round pedigree, the familiarity with Anna Rumo. Um, I mean, they signed him kind of not early, but not necessarily late in free agency. I think it was before right. like like late April or like mid April. So, you know, they at least had him on the radar from probably the get go. And they, and, you know, they signed, they signed him before they signed another offensive lineman. So like, I think there is definitely some interest in, in getting the most out of him at this point in his career. So I think Eli Apple's safe. It just comes down to one of these former free college free agents or a current free agent in Antonio Phillips. And I think Phillips has a decent shot if he just shows up. Comment here from our, our buddy Loki in the live YouTube chat. I've watched Apple and Eli Apple since his days with the Giants and Saints, and I don't believe in him, unfortunately. Sorry to be negative. I hope he proves me wrong. I understand that sentiment, but I think, John, where we're going with Eli Apple, you're talking about him as your number four or five cornerback, not necessarily your number two cornerback or or higher up where you're going to see significant snaps, maybe pressed into starting action if there's an injury, but um, I, I think it's more of an ideal situation, personally speaking, with Eli Apple being a little bit lower on the totem pole here. Yeah, I mean, if you compare Eli Apple to like Winston Rose and Tony Brown again, like is Eli Apple like that? 
you know, unattractive in that sense. I, I think the context kind of matters that ideally you don't really see Eli Apple. He's just on special teams or he's just maybe inactive for most of the season. But if they are forced to, you know, throw one of these cornerbacks in, onto the field, you're going to go with Apple because he has the experience. The I called Darius Phillips the enigma of the group. And here's, I guess, one that may be the wild card with how they shape the roster in this position group in general is Ricardo Allen, because Ricardo Allen has some, some experience playing slot corner. They've brought him in likely as a safety. He is smallish for a safety, but he's kind of a hybrid guy. Um, if you mm-hmm. remember, they did this a little bit now completely different in terms, if I remember correctly, in terms of body type, this, the guy I'm going to mention is a lot bigger, but Chris Crocker, if you remember him, they had, he was a safety and then they used him in the slot for a while and they were doing different things with him towards the end of his career. But uh, you know, I don't, I guess where I'm going with this is I don't know how Ricardo Allen may or may not affect this position group. And if they try and kill two roster birds with one stone by keeping him, um, I don't know. Chris Crocker is probably the best example you could have possibly come up with. I, I think when um, he was first brought in, like people immediately thought of him as like a coach on the field or like a coach, an, an extra coach on the sideline, um, just as a guy with a lot of experience as a leader. I think he was a captain for most of his career with the yep. Atlanta Falcons. And even like, like he was the first rumored um, visit the Bengals had in free agency, like in early March, because he was cut by the Falcons before free agency. So he was a street free agent and they were allowed to like contact him before actual free agency began. And there was the thought like, Oh my God, are they going to sign him to be like the new slot cornerback? Because he was a slot cornerback under Luna Rumo in his days in Purdue. So he's listed as a free safety. That's That's where he's played for the entirety of his career. And that's probably where he's going to be on the depth chart when he makes the team. But you're right. Him being on the active 46, presumably, and having that experience in this same scheme, it does give you an option to maybe not keep a true backup slot cornerback to Mike Hilton. Well, I, I guess to kind of put a bow on this, I mean, uh, I, there's a lot to kind of be excited about with this group. I think it's, I think it's maybe a little bit of a low profile type of group, as weird as it sounds, because there is a former first round pick in Trey Wayne's another former first round pick in Eli Apple and uh, Wuzia was what a second round pick, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of former high picks um, in this group, but there's there's not a lot of chatter. There's not a lot of uh, pizzazz, I guess, nationally uh, with this group, but I, I think there's a lot of high potential. There's a lot of low expectations outside of the locker room, and I think that especially with a guy like Awuzie, um, based on some of the things you saw maybe a couple of years ago, this group could perform a bit better than I think a lot of people expect. And, and I think if that happens, it, it all the credit should go to the coaching staff and Anna Rumo and Steve Jackson, the cornerbacks coach, because right now I, I think PFF ranked the entire secondary group as like 15th in the league. And I think they had Trey Waynes as like their 32nd ranked uh, starting cornerback, which for him to even make that list was almost a little bit of, of a surprise because we haven't seen him play in a while and he was never that good in Minnesota. But for them to get the most out of this group, to make them not just – essentially non-liabilities, but almost to make them like somewhat assets in, into a, a group that not just survives, but kind of thrives and then create more turnovers. That would be a, a great credit to Steve Jackson and Luna Rumo to get the most out of this group that has really been molded by their image. Now that we're three years into the scheme under Rana Rumo and this, th- these are his guys and there is an opportunity to get the most out of some players who just haven't really put it all together yet, but now they're on a contract for a few years 
And this is their opportunity to really put together a secondary that is through their own image and in their scheme. Well, that'll wrap up our first position preview of the summer. We're going to go group by group and we're going to do that. We're going to take some spins around the AFC North with other writers and or podcasters covering the respective AFC North teams to see where those are heading. We're going to have more guests, hopefully of the player and or former player variety. We're working on some of that stuff as well as some of the great reporters like we had on tonight in Lindsay Patterson. So a lot of stuff coming down the pike and we're going to talk a little bit more about that as we drop the mic and get out of here. I think we're going to save the state your case, John, for uh, I've been chewing on this one for, for two weeks. So uh, we'll, we'll save it though, just cause you know, we don't want to go too long, but uh, let's drop the mic and get out of here. What, what do you have for us? So r- real quick, uh, as you can see, Randall is wearing a shirt that says same old stripes on it with a nice little, Bengal Tiger uh, mic logo, but yeah, the mic given... kind of almost looks a little bit like the one I use. It's got like the same same vibe. Yeah, a little it, bit, it, but... it might be a Yeti, so they might have might have some trouble in terms of copyright. But it was graciously <laughs> sent to me by the boys who run these same old stripes podcast, and that's Willie Lutz, who was at Paul Barn Stadium with me for the jersey reveal. Tyler Olson and Billy Heenan. They do a podcast called Same Old Stripes. I think episode eight for that podcast just released and you can find that wherever you get your podcast, but definitely check them out along with the Bengals beat podcast. After of course you listen to any of our podcasts on the Cincy jungle podcast network, but also I think you mentioned Mike Daniels earlier in the show and shout out to Mike Daniels. He had a a recent entry in the players tribune um, calling for Juneteenth to be a federal holiday. And I believe shortly before the show started recording uh, Congress approved a bill to make Juneteenth, a, the, the 11th federal holiday in the United States and president Biden is expected to sign. So real shout out to um, Mike Daniels for putting that together for putting his name on it. It was a fantastic and really interesting article to read about his upbringing as an African-American and, and just the whole origins of, of his upbringing. And even still like him being 25 years old, learning about what Juneteenth was like, I didn't know what it was until I was in college. It wasn't taught to me in, in, in Ohio public schools and it wasn't even taught to Evans in, in, from, from his background. So I think it's a very important issue. And I, I was really insightful to see his kind of upbringing, his background with, with it all. And I'm really glad that, you know, the, the timing of it is, is really perfect. That I think he wrote that article like the 14th and now it's the 16th and Juneteenth is coming up this Saturday. So congratulations to Daniels. I'm glad that that time really worked out for him. Yeah, I, I think it came out Monday from the Players' Tribune. And I read that. That was a, that was a great piece. And he is quickly becoming one of my favorite guys to ever put on a Bengals uniform. And I guess I'm, I'm a little partial because he's been on the show a handful of times. And I think we're going to, we're going to have him on again um, closer to the season, but intelligent guy, uh, insightful and, and, and thoughtful guy. Um, not only has he been very kind to us, but you know, that go read that article that he put out in the players tribune. It's, it's really cool. The players tribune is a really cool thing in general, just kind of giving a platform directly for these guys to write some stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, very cool. I did read that. Um, but I, I didn't catch that right before we took the air. So cool stuff there. And, uh, kudos to Mike Daniels, obviously. Um, I just, I guess I got a, a couple of things. Um, first of all, thanks to, to everybody kind of saying get well and all that kind of stuff. I guess I'm, I'm kind of being maybe, maybe a little bit on the baby side, milking an injury, but it was, uh, probably one of the most severe ones I've actually, I, I was telling John before we took the air, you know, I played sports forever and did all this stuff and I never, 
knock on wood, had any kind of crazy injury thing. And this was just kind of a freak deal that happened. And it happened, unfortunately, about an hour and a half before we were going to take uh, the take the mic and all that stuff last week. And I, I had to go to the ER and all that. But um, I appreciate all the well wishes, including from you, John. I, I appreciate it. I didn't want to miss the show, but uh, it was kind of a, a crazy deal. But appreciate that. The other thing, John and I will be uh, vetting this out. I think it will probably be We've kind of targeted a little bit. We didn't get to talk about it last week, but we're, we're going to do some sort of kind of charity palooza thing in terms of helping out. I may have teased this a little bit. We're going to, we're going to vet out uh, helping out Bengals or former Bengals players foundations. We'll, we'll identify a few of them. If you have as a listener of this show and a Bengals fan, if you have one that you are passionate about, definitely hit us up and let us know. But um, we have a few that we've uh, identified and, and those who have maybe been on the show in the past, you know, the, the Javante Woods Foundation, the Munoz Foundation, Ken Anderson Alliance. Those are going to be some. What we're going to do is, yeah, we're going to have a show, but we're hoping to have guests and all of that. We're going to we're going to round this all out, but we're going to make kind of a little donation fest, uh, hopefully to help out those causes. I've already begun rounding up some prizes and stuff for people to, to kind of get some stuff who donate and all that kind of stuff. We're going to flush out ideas on how to fully go about this. But I think it's something that John and I are passionate about in terms of philanthropy and helping out these causes, especially with the rough year that nonprofits had last year in terms of being able to do fundraisers and all that stuff. Those people and others have been very kind to this show and, and donating their time and talking bangles with us. So uh, it's something we're passionate about. And John, you and I will talk about that, but I think it's going to be a cool event. We'll give out some stuff um, to some people and, and uh, hopefully raise some money for some good causes. Absolutely. I mean, we have this show, we have a platform to make a difference and to get people involved and raise awareness for these great causes that we want to bring to the light. And also, like you said, to give back to like the time that they put in to our show. It's a way of, of, of us giving back. So um, we're really excited about it, really to kick off, I guess, the start of what hopes to be an exciting season. And we can't wait to bring that to you guys. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely flush out more ideas and give you give you more info as we do it. But it's probably going to be next month, and maybe it'll be over a couple of different shows. Or I don't I don't quite know all of the details yet, but I do have some giveaways already kind of lined up for some stuff. And uh, you know, hopefully we'll 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 get a good get a good run and get some good support from you all to uh, help these causes out. But John, thank you for uh, your. Uh, duties and your talents that you bring to this program. And thank you to Lindsay Patterson for coming on to the program. Hopefully we get her back on soon. If you are new to this show, join us live. We record live Monday or Tuesday for our water cooler chat, where we do a run through the headlines. We do this, the flagship show on the orange and black insider with, with John and I, um, we bring in some special guests. So join us live on Wednesday nights when we do that. And then of course, uh, twice a month, about we do listener questions live on friday afternoons and we're going to do that again this friday so uh join us for that and if you can't join us live you can get the program by subscribing to our youtube channel there's a little icon right underneath john's left shoulder there you can click that to subscribe and then of course you can get it on your favorite audio streamer itunes stitcher spotify google podcasts iHeartRadio, all that good stuff but john i think that's going to do it for me anything else bud no i think we're all good here All right. Take it easy, everybody. Have a good rest of your week. We'll see you Friday for listening to Questions Live.